Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists, and food makers, farmers, authors, and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good Sunday to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. You've tuned in to Delicious Conversation. And if you have a passion for food, love to cook, or maybe you just love to eat, well, then I like to say we should definitely be friends. You are in the right place if food is your fetish, because every Sunday I am supplying the tools. You'll hear all about chefs and cookbooks, authors, and restaurants across the country. I'll share wine wisdom, travel tips, health help, and more. So I do hope that you'll tune in every Sunday for inspiring conversation. There is insightful info to make every day more scrumptious shared on this show. I'm always serving up seconds at chefjamie.com and you can find my daily dish on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. And if you happen to have missed a show, you can find my podcasts on iTunes, FeedBurner, and Blueberry and directly linked from my homepage at chefjamie.com. Let's kick off today and make it luscious, shall we? My mom made this beautiful batch of passion fruit curd this past week, and she brought me a prized jar, which by the way, I am not sharing. I put a spoonful of it in my yogurt this morning. I dipped shortbread cookies in it for dessert last night, and I'm actually thinking of making a trifle later today. Yes, it is that good. So what is the luscious stuff, you ask? It's curd. Are you making curd at home? Not cheese curd, but rather fruit curd. It could be luscious lemon curd or delectable passion fruit curd or even mango madness curd. Lemon curd is just the beginning. Now hers was passion fruit with tangerine added in, but no matter your flavor profile choice, curd is so delicious, so luscious and so versatile, and it's just not that hard to make. Plus, it feels like a really great culinary accomplishment. So I thought we would dish on curd today. Now, lemon curd is one of those things that I always like to have on hand in my refrigerator. Lemons are available year round, no longer have a season. And I will say that lemon curd has saved me more than once When I've had to rustle up a last minute dessert or if I had unexpected guests stop by, I happen to love how lemon curd is tart yet rich. And honestly, I have been known to eat spoonfuls straight out of the jar. Yes, I know it's shameless, but it's a great midnight snack. Now to talk curd, I'll use lemons as the base because I'm sure curd is what all good lemons aspire to when they grow up. We can thank the English, by the way, for this bright yellow curd with its tart, vibrant flavor, as well as for that wonderful notion of spreading it on scones when they come hot out of the oven. Now, it's made by gently cooking a mixture of fresh lemon juice, sugar, butter, and eggs until thickened. Curd happens to be divine on toast. I think it's this simple, perfect way to appreciate the curd's cool, satiny texture, and you get the crunch from the toast and preferably brioche or something buttery to add to the unctuousness of it. It makes a really easy and delicious filling for tarts and cakes and cookies. You can add a dollop of 
curd on grilled pound cake, if you're grilling this summer, it amazingly transforms anything that has this simplicity of a cake or cookie into something really wonderful. And a foolproof method for making the best curd is all about ensuring that it's smooth. Lemon curd is really easy to prepare, except for there is one pesky problem. It sometimes winds up with bits of cooked and curdled egg. This problem is especially common in curd that uses whole eggs, by the way, as well as egg yolks, because the egg whites cook at a lower temperature, a little bit of food science there, they're more prone to coagulation. And the cooked bits don't ruin the flavor of the curd, but the smooth texture really requires careful cooking. Now, don't fret, because... I don't make 30-minute curd or 20-minute curd for that matter or even 10-minute curd. I make 7-minute lemon curd. And the beauty of it is that you do need to stand and whisk, but the process works quickly. And the true genius in this curd is that you get a really lovely texture. Now, I've seen recipes galore for curd where you can blend all the ingredients in the food processor. I've seen it done... Uh, on the top of a water bath, like a bowl set over a pot. But I will tell you, I like it directly on the heat, moderate heat specifically. And I like to stand and baby it because I can find seven minutes to make really luscious curd. Now, curd will last a few weeks in the fridge and you should definitely try experimenting, by the way. You can make lemon curd or lime curd or grapefruit or when blood oranges are in season. Oh, yes. Now, it is passion fruit season right now, and you want to make sure that the passion fruit get very, very ripe. That's when they get wrinkly and sort of ugly and old and funky looking. That's when you know that they're ready. But passion fruit curd might be my ultimate favorite. You get the tartness and the sweetness of the passion fruit itself, and it really stands up to the rich, beautiful velocity, the the thickness the viscous curd itself. Oh, I think it's just absolutely brilliant. And then if you've not made mango curd before, it is sent from the gods and out of this world, as is everything mango. But you'll want to puree the mango and then strain it to remove all the fibers so that you once again get the texture that you're going for. Now, curd will last a few weeks in the fridge. I pack it into mason jars. And by the way, it's not a shelf-stable Uh, jarring process to me. Um, I keep it in the refrigerator and I will assure you that it is fantastically easy to make. In fact, if you have eggs, sugar, lemon, and butter, as I mentioned, you could be making a beautiful batch of curd right now. So for my seven-minute lemon, orange, or passion fruit curd, visit chefjamie.com. It'll give you the recipe Uh, You'll get the lowdown and you will be a champion of curd in no time. And then, of course, please email me. I'd love to know how your curd turned out and what you're serving it on. You can email me direct with all of your culinary queries and accomplishments, of course, at jamie at chefjamie.com. It's J-A-M-I-E in both places. Okay, time for food news. Oh, here's some hot news that you can use. Tabasco fans, are you looking to up the ante? Well, there is a brand new sauce from Tabasco to add to their arsenal of heat. The Louisiana-based hot sauce company, 
just introduced what is called scorpion sauce, which takes the original Tabasco red sauce and it adds 20 times the heat thanks to the addition of scorpion peppers, guava, and pineapple. So if you thought you were addicted before, oh, you are seriously going to be addicted now, I'm sure. The inspiration for the new limited edition scorpion sauce isn't the fires of hell. It's actually taking a cue from um, the sweet and spicy condiment and marinade that's very often used in Caribbean cooking. Now, Tabasco describes this scorpion sauce as a tangy sauce with untamed heat and a touch of Caribbean sweetness, which means it isn't just about burning your tongue off. The brand actually wanted to make something that tastes good, which I appreciate. Scorpion sauce from Tabasco sits pretty at 50,000 units on the Scoville scale, which is how we rate how spicy things are. Now, just as a barometer, the original Tabasco sauce rings in at 2,500 units on the Scoville scale. Now, you can thank me later. And by the way, you're welcome because this Scorpion sauce release is limited edition and it is only available on Tabasco's official site. And then, of course, if you want to take a trip to the brand's Louisiana flagship store uh, or their, you know, factory per se, uh, while supplies last. So if you have a hothead in your life or one who is just total fire friendly, then you'll want to uh, grab your jar now, of course. There is no, uh, there's no knowing what they'll bring out next, um, but just know that this Tabasco scorpion sauce is guaranteed to be plenty spicy. And by the way, when you taste it, I'd love to know how it is. Once again, my email address, I need a Tabasco scorpion sauce report, jamie at chefjamie.com. And please do not touch your dial because there is... Wonderful conversation coming up in your radio. I'm going to feed your soul this hour with a little of everything delicious. We'll talk with Dennis the Prescott. You know him as that beautiful photographer and cook whose photos have come alive and made him great acclaim on Instagram. Yes, uh, Dennis Prescott has a cookbook out, and he will share his best tips, by the way, for food photography. Also, before the end of the hour, we're sitting down to dish with Dr. Sylvia Tara on the secret life of fat. Oh, you're going to want to know about this. And coming up next, my dear friend and longtime friend, in fact, uh, the TV genius, uh, the comedian extraordinaire, who is going to help you color your way to success. Michael Berger in your radio right after this. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen. Don't go away. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The most passionate food and wine lovers listen to this show. And if you've ever browsed Instagram, searched the internet, or sought out a beautiful food photo, well, then you have undoubtedly stumbled across Dennis the Prescott. Dennis is a former professional musician and self-taught cook who built a massive following on social media, specifically Instagram, with his inviting culinary creations. 
And Dennis Prescott's first cookbook entitled Eat Delicious features comfort food from around the globe and it's packed with 125 of his most popular and original recipes. And when it comes to absolutely glorious food photography and really, truly delicious eats, well, then Dennis is your man. Dennis the Prescott is here to dish. And I'm very glad to have you. Hi, Dennis. Hi. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yes, of course. Okay. Let's go back a bit because you have a great story. Tell us about your start in food which I understand is somewhat in part thanks to Nigella Lawson, right? It is, yeah, and and uh, and at no kind of uh, no kind of uh, direct impact of his own, Jamie Oliver. Um, I was a full time musician uh, for about ten years, and I lived in a fifteen passenger van. I traveled all across Canada and the United States, and uh, I got to experience new foods in every different city that that I visited. Uh, but I had no idea how to cook. Food wasn't uh, something that was celebrated in my home growing up. I was fortunate enough to have three meals a day, but uh, the actual kind of celebration and sitting down as a family didn't happen often. Um, but that did start to happen on the road. And living in, we moved, the band decided uh, it, it would be the best choice for us to move to Nashville, Tennessee. We moved down there, and I was living... Uh, I slept on an air mattress for a couple of years, and I did the musician thing, and I was eating pasta with butter on it, the dollar menu, and <laughs> I visited the Nashville Public Library at the recommendation of a friend. Uh, I said, you know, I, I need to learn how to cook something, because I, I just can't eat this anymore. They said, well, why didn't you go to the library? Because I didn't have any money for a cookbook, and I went, and I took out three books by um, this guy who looked very inviting, a good-looking dude, and his recipes looked accessible and attainable and like something I could pull off, but also something I could be proud of. And it turns out it was Jamie Oliver, and I just started working my way through these books and became obsessed. Every recipe, just I got more and more excited about cooking and, and uh, learning new, new techniques and new dishes. I love that. And I had an iPhone at the time. And uh, I, I, I wasn't a photographer by any means, uh, but I started to, to use my cell phone to document the recipes that I had been making, um, just so honestly, so I could remember. Yes. And, and thanks to you, I believe that food photography is ever on the rise because I, I think, and, and I mean this really as a compliment, it's a testament to the fact that you can create bold, beautiful imagery with your own style, albeit the gear helps, but you have sure. really become known and loved not only for your recipes, but for the fact that you have a following of those that want to drool on their phone in, in looking through your photos. So let's talk food photography for a minute. Can you give us some tips to create bold images like you do? Is it about the lighting and or the gear where do we start? I mean, it's about all of those things, no question. And a better a better camera helps to take better photos. There's no question. No doubt. But ultimately, at the end of the day, photography is all about story and storytelling. Mm-hmm. So um, what I try to do and what I would suggest to folks who are interested in upping their food photography game is to really invest in the story. You know, if, if it's a date night, if it's game day, if it's a family-style meal on Sunday, um, you know, middle of the afternoon, all your friends and family come over. Everything deserves to be 
uh, treated differently. Obviously, all the food is going to be styled differently, different plating, different lighting, dependent upon what you're what you're shooting. Um, and I think that that's you know running towards story is number one. Yeah, well, I feel that. Like I I want to lick the page with the lemon thyme roast chicken. Like it's just it's mm. it's a beauty. It's a centerpiece, and and Thank the you. big plates and the the feasting that you create is is really very appealing. I happen to love too that the photos aren't blown out and bright. Are there any are there any no nos? I mean, do you say turn the camera uh, flash off on your phone or anything we shouldn't do? Sure, I I, I will only shoot with natural light. Okay. I feel like it looks better. Uh, the sun is free. Uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's a great thing. Whereas if you're using artificial light, of course, there's a cost with that, but there's also a learning curve with, with really learning how to use those well. And I know a lot of photographers, uh, enjoy, uh, artificial lighting and that's awesome. But I would say if you're starting or if you're looking to kind of move from maybe a cell phone to a DSLR style of shooting, uh, really harnessing natural light. And I think what it is, is taking, uh, that dish and really moving around it, seeing how the light, uh, have the dishes treated differently depending upon whether the sun is coming in, whether it's from behind or on the side. It's all going to create a different mood and it's all going to create different shadows mm-hmm. uh, and really uh, will change. And, and that's the best way to develop your own personal style is just learning how you most prefer those images to look. And I think that takes a lot of trial and error. Yes. The, the truth of the matter a lot is of practice. Uh, with this book, you know, there's probably about 200 images ish. 200 images in here and I photographed about 40,000 images total <gasps> to get wow. to this. So it really is about failing forward and about being willing to kind of push yourself. There were some days where I shot and I just wasn't happy at the end of the day. So I would do it again. You know, I was happy with the recipe and I was happy with how it tested, uh, but the image just wasn't really hitting me in the same way that I would like to like hmm. it to. So I think I think what it is is being willing to kind of like I said fail forward, right. take those shots at the end of the day, even if you're not happy with the image, the food's going to taste delicious. So well, it's not you're, you're not you're not losing anything. No, you know? that's and the best con- part. You'll continue to get better. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. the best part. Talk about dedication. Okay, I planned a whole day of eat delicious meals. So can we jump to your recipes for a moment? Of course. I thought we would start. Um, you would make French toast with grilled peaches and spiced rum brown sugar sauce because it's peach season. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'll gladly sit down at the table. Oh, I love the idea. I grill lots of fruit, but I like the idea of bringing it inside and incorporating it into breakfast and paired with the French toast. Even if you grill peaches for pork chops or chicken the night before and use those leftover grilled peaches for breakfast, I mean, I, I could see them on granola and yogurt or parfait or French toast even better. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And, and I do that often, you know, if, if, uh, if I have a, some friends and family over and we're grilling, uh, you know, on a Saturday night, Sunday morning, those, you know, hanging out in the fridge, what an amazing way to use those. And, and they're just as delicious the next day. Oh, for sure. And then I thought we would have crispy pork tonkatsu for lunch. Mm-hmm. That's a favorite of mine. Yes. Did so you good. spend You're, time? You have a great menu. Uh, yeah, I do, right? You should come over. I'm cooking from Dennis the Prescott. Did, did you spend time in Asia? I mean, you have a lot of Asian influence, and I happen to love those flavor profiles. I do, too. You know, I, my folks actually live in Beijing. Uh, ah. I grew up in Canada, on the east coast of Canada, um, and uh, we grew up basically about 20 minutes away from the ocean, access to, you know, we live in lobster 
mecca, lobster heaven, where mm. I am, where I'm from. Very um, envious. But we didn't have. Well, you know, and and it's it's something I took for granted, honestly, growing up, just because it was we it, we were so close. It was part of everyday life. Right. Uh, I've only since realized how special it actually is. It mirrors that energetic style of Dennis the Prescott's Instagram account that you know and love. The new book entitled "Eat Delicious: 125 Recipes for Your Daily Dose of Awesome" is filled with lush color photography, uh, new creations, and Dennis Prescott's most popular. Recipes. Recipes for Global Comfort Food. Check it out at DennisThePrescott.com and on social media, Dennis the Prescott. Dennis, come back uh, when you create a new dish and highlight it for us, and then um, and then we can sit down and eat. I would love to. As the delicious conversation continues, there's more fabulous food in your radio right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go away. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. You've tuned in to radio's best lifestyle show, covering culinary culture and celebrating food, health, and travel, and of course, everything that feeds your soul. So what topic do you think five of the top 10 best-selling books on Amazon were last year? Believe it or not, it was coloring books. Coloring books for adults, to be exact. In fact, the frenzy was so great that the largest manufacturer of pencils in the world had to add two more shifts to keep up with the demand. Amazing, right? Well, my next guest is a longtime friend, an old friend. Well, he's not old, but we go way back. Michael Berger began his career performing stand-up comedy on cruise ships, but his lightning-fast wit attracted television producers, and he made his start on ABC's Mike and Maddie and the iconic game show Match Game. You know and love him from television and movies, and you might remember Michael and I on the same show, the one that gave me my start in television, the one that made you laugh because of Michael Berger, called Home and Family. Today, Michael is a featured keynote speaker across the country and around the world, a real estate developer and a four-time author, and his most recent release is, of all things, a coloring book. It's called Coloring Your Way to Success, and it shares infinite business wisdom woven into the forever fun escape of coloring. And who wouldn't want to color at their next weekly sales meeting? My fine and very hysterical friend, Michael Berger, is here to dish. I am very glad to have you. Hello, Michael. Wow, I got I got the chills hearing that. I don't think I can top your intro, so I'm just going to hang up on myself. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, you can't. We have to congratulate you because your Coloring Your Way to Success book is rated five-star by copious amounts of people on Amazon, and everyone's going to want a copy, and so we want to talk about it. Well, before we do that, yes. it, it all started with an omelet. It and did. I'm going to take this back to you. Yes, please. It all started with an <laughs> Do you omelet. mind if I share the story, how we no, met? No, not at all, because I would love everyone to know that for those two years of your life, almost two years, it, they might have been the most consecutive two years that a woman made you an omelet in the morning. <laughs> well, well, and the, the longest I had a, a job. <laughs> no, that's uh, not I, true. I did a little show called Home and Family. Uh, Christina Ferrari was the co-host, and you made me the greatest omelet one morning. And I flipped over it, and the next morning I rolled up on the lot. You said, hey, would you, would you like it again? And I said, yeah. 
So every morning for two years, I had the best food prepped and made for me by Chef Jamie Gwen. And I'm telling you, I wasn't sad when the show got canceled. I was hurt that I wouldn't be able to eat this food anymore. So <laughs> that's, that's the beginning of our relationship. And that's almost 15, 20 years now. Yes, it's, it's 20 now. Amazing. Yeah. And um, you flatter me. I thank you. Uh, Let's talk a a little bit about your career because it is uh, ever ongoing. I think that's one of the glorious things about you and your extraordinary humor and wit is that you really have had an illustrious career that continues, but it's, it's a life of being funny. My mother gave you a great compliment <laughs> once. She said you were the funniest man she had ever met. Well, I, I would tell your mom to get out more, but I yeah. took it as a compliment. <laughs> you know, we both work in this line of work where we got to constantly innovate. And yes. I would say this overlays anyone in any occupation, anybody just trying to navigate life. We got to be comfortable with change and and adapting, whether it's personal relationships or jobs. I got a real good friend of mine, Ross Schaefer, who is another keynote speaker, and his line is, if you don't like change, you're going to really hate extinction. (laughs) And And that's what really spurred this book on. As you mentioned, adult coloring books were all the rage, but they were missing a key component that I, I thought I would add. So this book, Coloring Your Way to Success, not only has 52 of the smartest most inspiring, motivational things I think anyone's ever said about life, work, business. I I took the 52 of them, and I I put them in this coloring book, so as you color, you discover the quote. I had an illustrator draw an illustration around each quote. And as you color, it reveals itself, but then the kicker is every one of these quotes has a worksheet attached. It defines the quote. It asks you three questions about the quote, And then it gives you one of these Oprah Super Sunday takeaways of how to apply it to your life. So I think it's a handbook of getting through day to day. It is. And that's what life is really about. I think so many of our business lives and careers are woven into the fabric of everything we do. We all work a ton today. You uh, have to sort of you know, checks and balances weigh the, the biggest priority of the day to start with and then get through the day and, and balance all the things we have to do. So for me, when I first saw your book, it was the perfect escape mixed with a lesson. And that's like a twofer. Uh, you know, you, you, get so, you gain so much, but you get so much from it as well. What is it about coloring? Do you think well, that took the science, world by storm? Yeah, science says there is a there's an effect literally happens in the brain where it releases these endorphins and you you actually um, you actually take a moment and sort of reboot and reset and mm. the meditation and the stress relief from this activity combined with what you said this little inspiration that we all can use. Yes actually takes you to this, this, this place not only of relaxation, but clarity. And you and I were just chatting before we got on the air here about mm-hmm. sometimes just a simple phrase or a word or two can push us in the right direction. And, and I, I've always said there's no inspiration, there's no expiration date on wisdom. So these quotes, some of them go back 600 years B.C. to modern day, and they will apply to everything Uh, throughout the course of your your day, your night, your life. Okay, Michael, pause there for just a moment. We'll come back to coloring 
for success with Michael Berger right after this. We're back and we're dishing and we're laughing and we're dishing with Michael Berger, author of Coloring Your Way to Success, my longtime friend, of course, and comedian. And I am Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Who's using the book? Who's coloring? I, I know just from reading the reviews that someone bought uh, for their entire uh, corporation, for their big business, which means none of those people are paying attention in a business meeting anymore. <laughs> Or maybe they're paying more attention than they ever have because they're finally engaged. The goal is to get, yeah, your employees, your team workers, quite possible, right, involved. And what happens is when you give an answer to what you think this quote means, it reveals something about you. You're going to learn something about not just yourself, but your coworkers, and how people navigate and respond to questions that have no right or wrong answer, but they're certainly revealing. So, uh, it is a going and researching this, I went through thousands and thousands of quotes, and there are some that you forget. A, a quote like, um, I'm sure you've heard this quote, Rome was not built in one day. Yes, of course. Do you know there's more to that quote? No, I didn't. I might not have gotten to coloring that page. <laughs> yes. Well, I never thought there was more to the quote, but the whole quote by John Haywood is, Rome was not built in a day, but they were laying bricks every hour. Hmm. If that doesn't inspire you to realize it's just stay at it. Yes, Don't give course. up. Brick right. by brick, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna get through this. You'll get there. Okay, give us more. I find it so motivational. How about Mark Twain? I've had a lot of worries in my life, most of which never happened. <laughs> How often do we get stuck worrying about stuff that never materializes? Isn't that true? Um, a quote that I've I came up with years and years ago, and it was probably after the fourth show got canceled because that's just how we do, right? Yes. A quote that I love is, it's the last quote in the book, it's okay to look back, but it's a waste of time to stare. Hmm. How many times do we get paralyzed about the what-ifs or I should have? Isn't and it, it keeps us from moving forward. Yeah, onward and upward. Absolutely. Uh, here's a great quote. Uh, Wilson Meisner, who was a, uh, an entrepreneur and a playwright, early 1930s, be nice to the people on your way up because you're going to meet them on the way down. Yes, And this quote is based, yeah, there's a great story about a CEO looking to hire a manager, and they meet at a restaurant, and the CEO is facing the door. He sees his prospective employee come in, and he notices how rude the guy is to the hostess, dismissive, and, and, you know, uh, I get no other word to say it, but kind of a knob, right? Uh What the prospective employee doesn't realize is the interview was over before he sat down. This guy saw the way he treated other people and said, I, I don't want that kind of person working sure. for me. So hmm. it matters how you treat people. Yes, it does matter. Coloring Your Way to Success author Michael Berger. Check it out, coloringyourwaytosuccess.com, um, and follow Michael Berger as well. See, we do feed your soul on this show, and the delicious <laughs> conversation continues right after this. Don't go away.
Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio every Sunday, feeding your soul. So here's a hot topic. Body fat has long been the subject of national and personal shame, an adversary that we obsessively seek to eradicate, right? In 2014 alone, listen to this statistic, the United States spent $60 billion fighting fat. But how much do we really know about body fat? In the newly released book, a fascinating read called The Secret Life of Fat, The Science Behind the Body's Least Understood Organ and What It Means, biochemist Sylvia Terra reveals the ways in which our bodies battle the bulge. And it turns out that body fat isn't just unsightly blubber. Her research proves that it's an essential and critically misunderstood body part. And so I am delighted that Dr. Tara is here to enlighten us. And I welcome you. Hi, Dr. Tara. Hi, thank you. It's (laughs) great to be here. Oh, thank you. Okay, we do want to lose it, or at least we think we should, but we have to understand it first. So can you give us a little bit of background, please? Tell us about your research. Sure. I started researching fat just because I gain weight so easily. And uh, (laughs) I've watched people around me eat whatever they want, not gain a pound, or they lose it very quickly on a diet. And that's not me. And I couldn't understand why. And I'd worked with personal trainers, and sometimes I could even gain weight with them or on certain diets. And I thought, you know, something's amiss here. And I was about to go on one more diet, and I thought, before I go on one more diet, uh, I have to understand everything there is to know about fat. And I'm a scientist by training, so I had the tools to do it. And so I spent five years researching everything there is to know about fat. I think I pulled a 1,000 articles of the scientific literature. I talked wow. to over 50 scientists around the world about their research on fat. And what I found out was so surprising, I thought I have to capture it in this book, The Secret Life of Fat. And the biggest astounding thing is really that fat's not just fat. We tend to think of it as a reserve of calories, something that's just sitting there and we have to get rid of it at all costs. In truth, fat is an endocrine organ, meaning it it is excreting hormones into our bloodstream and our body depends on these hormones to survive. And so it's not just sitting, it's actually interacting with our body, it's communicating within our body through these hormones. And through those hormones, it has control on our our appetite, on our metabolism, on our bones, our immune system, even our brain size. I think people would be really surprised to know exactly what fat is. It's actually a vital organ. Okay, so with that said, if it's an organ, as you say, it's then fighting back to preserve itself, right? While we're trying to get rid of it, which seems uh, very counterintuitive to me. So (laughs) I want to know more personally, because like you... I gain weight too. (laughs) Yeah, so fat is endowed with ways to preserve itself, like you said. And one of those ways is that it has a hormone that it secretes called leptin. And leptin goes into our bloodstream and it binds with the hypothalamus region of our brain. And that's where it controls appetite. And it also can decrease metabolism. Um, So when we lose weight, say we lose, you know, 10% of our body weight or so, fat uh, specifically, we lose fat, we lose leptin because fat is releasing leptin. Less fat means less leptin. When we have less leptin, we're driven to eat more because of the effects on the hypothalamus. At the same time, our metabolism gets lower, about 25% lower during exercise and 10% lower at rest because leptin also binds with muscles and it has an effect on muscles. So lower leptin has this effect of slowing metabolism. What that means is that if you've lost some weight, say 10% of your body fat or more, you now have to eat less than somebody who's naturally at that weight to begin with. And that effect lasts for years. It's not something that you can get rid of you know, necessarily within six months. Um, it's been studied for six years, and it might last forever. It doesn't go hmm. away for everybody necessarily. 
And that was the biggest aha for me because right. I know when I diet, I tend to lose weight and then I get a little bit relaxed. I, I go back to eating like normal people eat, you know, quote, normal people. Right. And I, I would always just gain weight right back. And it turns out you can't really come off your diet. And yeah, it's kind of a sobering news, but at the same time, very empowering because I couldn't figure out why I was regaining weight all the time. And I know now and I know what to do. And so hopefully knowledge is power for everybody. And this book at least gives some insight into what our fat is. The book is available now called The Secret Life of Fat, written by Dr. Sylvia Terra. And it describes the unexpected tricks that fat uses to preserve itself, even when you are trying your hardest to lose it. Uh, But Dr. Tara offers really intelligent solutions to combat it. And I think it's a very worthy read. You can find it on Amazon and in bookstores nationwide. You can learn more at thesecretlifeoffat.com. And you can follow Dr. Tara at Sylvia Tara PhD on social media. Thank you, Dr. Tara, once again. And um, here's to a a long, healthy, and wonderful life. Thank you. It's great to be here. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delectable conversation conversation. Don't forget, the kitchen wisdom most important to everyday fabulous meals, taste constantly, shop with the seasons, and let your palate do the talking. And then, of course, tune in every Sunday so that you can be inspired and satiated and so that I can feed your soul. I'll leave you with my last bite for the hour, my last ounce or tidbit of culinary conversation and gastronomic inspiration. Okay, these sweet and spicy glazed sausages, they are just so good. And you could be making this four-ingredient grilled appetizer right now. Yes, they're my plum-glazed grilled sausages, Perfect to sit down with an IPA or a glass of Riesling, enjoy a Sunday afternoon, a little snack. You know, I love simple recipes and I am a girl at the grill, so here goes. If you're looking for a new grilled recipe, these plum glazed grilled sausages, I've got you covered and you're going to be a culinary hero. You need three quarters of a cup of plum jam, a couple tablespoons of balsamic vinegar, a couple of teaspoons of freshly chopped thyme a good generous grinding of ground pepper, and a couple pounds of smoked sausage. You preheat the grill. You combine the jam, the balsamic, the thyme, and the pepper in a sauce pot. You place it right on the grill until it bubbles. And then you grill those smoked sausages to add more smoky, wonderful flavor. And you brush them with that plum glaze during grilling. Then you slice and serve, and you can put out any leftover glaze for dipping. They are so good. I'll post the recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. You'll find recipes galore at chefjamie.com along with everything you need to find podcasts of shows you might have missed. And I will meet you here next Sunday once again in your radio. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off and I hope you continue to eat well. Well,